you want, might be wondering why Jeannie's over there um, on that piano. I think we got a piano key that's got a, a dead mouse in it or something. <laughs> I'm not just joking. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we're going to get that fixed. It's, it's got a dead, a dead key in there. Um, we looked at it and the key, you, know, you can see the key down there and it's going, <laughs> dead, dead key. Get it? Is this on? Is there anybody getting my jokes tonight? You say, if you'd stop telling them, that would be a blessing. Wow. Wow. Everybody's amen in that. You know, you can amen by laughing, too, sometimes. See, you just did it. <laughs> All right, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 2. We were there today, but we're going to go farther. And uh, I want to uh, speak on the subject of being committed to the cause of Christ. I know it's a very generic statement, but I wonder what we're all um, what we're all championing today. What's what's your cause? What what is it that you champion? Uh, it might it might be any number of things, but I want to remind you that God has a. Uh, has a universal call to all of us, first of all, to himself for salvation. But there's a number of deeper callings that you might consider, too. Mm -hmm. Number one is that God would like to uh, call people into his ministry. As uh, some people would like to uh, think, what, what could I do for the Lord? Well, you can, you can teach. You can do any number of things. I know some people that down through the years, their calling was just to take care of the church. And uh, they, they felt that that was so important that it, it was to them actually a calling of God. And so whatever, whatever your calling is, I, I want you to know that God, God respects that, that calling. He, uh, he, he, he counts it very, very serious that when somebody gives their life to Jesus in any number of areas or any, any number of levels, any, any number of severity that you can do anything that you can do for the Lord. Um, you know, there are handicapped people that have terrible physical issues, but they can still do something for God. And uh, so God, you know, he, he enjoys um, having people answer to the call, and, and he's still calling people. He's still putting out the call. You say, well, I thought, you know, pretty much the gospel's done. Um, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and uh, practically the whole thing's over. But that's not true. God, God's still calling missionaries. He's still calling people to do his work. And I remember a long time ago, uh, I was at a church picnic, and uh, I, I didn't even know the, the terminology that churches use. Sometimes in Baptist churches, you'll hear a lot of terminology like the call to preach, um, uh, and, and, and the call to full-time Christian service, things like that. And so I didn't really understand any of that. So one day we were all having a big picnic. And uh, so I heard some fellows talking about the call to preach. And I didn't know what that meant, didn't know anything about it. And so I asked my pastor, I said, uh, Pastor, what, if, what is, uh, I keep hearing people say uh, that they're called to preach. What, what does that mean? What, what, what's that all about? Um, and he took me aside and very gently and uh, very compassionately explained to me what it was. And he said to me, 
as, as the whole picnic was going on and people were uh, having a great time playing volleyball, he was aside uh, by, a, by a big tree there just kind of explaining to me. And I said, uh, what, what does that mean, the call to preach? And he said, well, let me ask you this. What do you want to do with your life for the rest of your life? I said, I, I really don't know yet. He said, let me ask you this. What do you do right now? I said, well, I'm in the Navy. And uh, he said, well, what kind of work are you, are you doing right now? I said, well, uh, welding and um, uh, firefighting and sheet metal work and some plumbing, a lot of plumbing. He said, now, I want to ask you a question. My pastor said, do you see yourself doing that for the Lord for the rest of your life? And I thought, you know, I, I don't know. He said, well, you need to pray and ask God, is that what you want for me the rest of my life? Because there's nothing wrong with any of that. Nothing. He was just trying to dig down deep into my heart and find out, is that what you think God wants you to do the rest of your life? And if it is, uh, amen, that's great. But the call to preach, he said, was that uh, a person, uh, a, a, a man feels like God wants him to uh, give his life to the gospel ministry so he said that's what it's all about and he told me that since he had started the church in 1975 I think maybe 74 that over 30 uh, what what we termed in those days was preacher boys preacher boy was somebody that come to the church and a young man and get called to preach and then learn how to preach and learn how to give the gospel out to a public audience um, and so he said that uh, in, in the years uh, since he had, before he talked to me and started the church, that 30 preacher boys had been called in to full-time Christian service through the ministry of, of that church. And I thought, well, that's wonderful. Well, I didn't understand what that was, so I started praying about it. And lo and behold, uh, through a few years, um, I, I kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. And then there was a, uh, a pretty girl came to the church, and she was a piano player. And um, so I was uh, attracted to her, and I thought, well, there's my wife. And uh, so I found out she didn't want to marry uh, just a regular old sailor boy. She wanted to marry somebody that was called to the ministry, full-time Christian service, and called to preach. And you know what the Lord was doing there, don't you? Because that wasn't Julie. Um, it was some other gal and uh, I thought okay I better start thinking about this a little bit more seriously because now 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 it hit me I, I wonder if God wants me in the ministry so I began to pray and pray and pray and pray and I, I, I still had no real direction but then I, I felt like you know what that that is something I think I really want to do and so um there was a, a little bit of a side motivation to this. I'll be honest with you. Uh, you, can't, you can't say there was no effect on me, but God used that girl to, to kind of uh, say, well, let's start thinking about this. And so I did, and I prayed, and I really felt like God was calling me to preach. Um, and so I made it public in church. And I came forward down the aisle one night, and I talked to the preacher, and I said, you know, I've been praying about this for months and months. And uh, because of the, the conversation we had at the picnic, 
And, uh, and I said, I believe God wants me to preach. And I feel like God's calling me to preach. And he said, wonderful. He said, well, all right, during the invitation, you come forward and we'll make it public, you know. Anything that God calls you to do should be somewhat, uh, you should be glad to let somebody know about it, amen? amen? I mean, you shouldn't be ashamed of it. So the, the, he, was, he was excited, I was excited. And um, well, <laughs> I'm good, there's an end to this. But uh, so I came forward and, and it was, uh, I think, on a Sunday night. And the, the church there was so happy. And uh, the pastor had me come forward and he said, Tav's uh, really been praying about this. And, and he, he has uh, considered this uh, to be God's will for his life. And he, he's uh, called to preach. And we just want to rejoice with him. And, and so the, what they did was they had the whole church come at the end of the church service and come and shake my hand and, and uh, wish me well. You know, just amen. Good job praying for you. Uh, I hope you make it and all this. And. Um, so they all came down the aisle and the girl was there too and she came and she oh I'm so happy for you and uh, inside I was going yeah yeah this is great well God tested me severely she dumped me like a hot box of rocks and then I was just completely just devastated so I went back one one day, and I noticed that, oh, this is terrible, you know. My dreams are shattered. So I was laying in my bunk, and the Lord kind of tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, hey, you said God wanted you to be a full-time Christian service in the ministry that I called you to preach. Well, she's gone. So... Was that for her or was that for me? And I said, it was for you, Lord. And right then and there, I knew that I had not done that just to get a girlfriend. I mean, I was dead serious. And something came over my heart, and I felt so relieved. I felt so empowered. I felt it is true. I didn't do that just to get a girlfriend. You know, she she can hit the road. I, I'm with God. This, I, this is amazing. And it was just a little test. And uh, I know God heard that. I know God heard my prayer. And I know God heard my heart. And from that point in time, things started changing. And my goodness... I was so excited. Just and I had so much to learn. I had so many mistakes in my life. I had so, so much, uh, oh, I guess you could call it baggage. I had insecurities and I had problems. But I, I decided right then and there, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I don't think that I'm anything special. I don't think anybody in this room can look at me and say, well, that's just for pastors. I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, that's that's just not true and you can be called God can call you to do anything he can call you he will call you if you want uh, to know if he's calling you and some some are not called uh, many are called though and few are chosen but let me tell you this have you considered uh, asking God to uh, let you know if he's calling you for something 
the, the, it's not fearful. It's not, it's not intrepidation. It's not a devastating thing. It is amazing when God says, I have a special job for you, and I want you to do this for me, and I can't tell you all about it now, but I want you to, I want you to just give me your heart and trust me. Uh, I was scared to death that God would take me to the mission field. I was scared to death that God would do something I didn't want him to do. But, you know, there's, there's a two-way street here. When you give your life to the cause of Jesus Christ, he never, ever, ever uh, makes you ashamed of it. Amen. I've never been ashamed that one day I got on my face and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? There's been several types of callings in my life, and some of you can testify that God's had called you for certain things. You say, well, it's never been to pastor a church. And, and praise God, ladies, you, you're not going to pastor a church. And over, over my dead body, will I ever give you the advice to pastor a church? Say, <laughs> yeah, well, sister so-and-so does it on the television. Well, I'm sorry, but she's got big trouble. She's out of the will of God. Anyway, I just had to throw that in. But you can be a missionary. You can be a, a teacher. You can do any number of things. There's been fantastic, wonderful people that had no background in church and no background much at all in any kind of education. It's just your heart. Now, how many agree with this statement? You give God your heart, he'll take care of all the rest. Amen. Even in education. Let's go to 1 Peter. I want you to see this in um, chapter number 2, verse 21. For even here unto, for even here, even here unto, excuse me, were ye called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye are healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And you see, the, the apostle Peter was telling them, in verse number 21, for even hereunto were ye called. God has called us all to, for his cause. God has a cause. Uh, we who are the sheep of God's pasture, and he is our great shepherd, we have a great cause that's bigger than you and me. It's bigger than anything I could accomplish in life. It's so vast and wonderful, I could never attain to outdoing anything that God has ever called me to do when he wants uh, people to um, uh, be, be in his cause and you enlist in the cause of Christ as some of us have enlisted in the, in the military to serve. It's the same way we enlist in the cause of Jesus Christ. The cause is all about Jesus Christ. I am, I'm doing my best and I have failed many times. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, I'm the greatest example that everybody should follow me, but, but I will say this, I have given my life 
and I will, the rest of my life, give my life to the cause of Jesus Christ. And I will never say, oh, I could have been this and I could have been that. Um, I, I could have been make that kind of money and this kind of money. Who knows? You know, I could have been president. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm glad I'm not. I'll let somebody else have that headache. I, you know, have you ever wondered if you would have taken another path and done another thing and made a different decision? <laughs> you, you, don't be discouraged with what you're doing. If you love the Lord and you're in His will, you're 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 ready. You don't have to. You don't have to say, "Well, I missed the boat." Let me tell you something. Listen to me closely. God's will is not some great big silent ship in the middle of the night in the fog trying to sneak by you without letting you know he's there. And then when he gets far enough, you can't, you can't get aboard. He turns around and says, ha ha, you missed it. Oh, what a sap. Look at you. God has not, that is not God. He's sounding the foghorn. Get on board. You know, that kind. When God calls somebody, he, he doesn't say, well, let's be real quiet and sneak around Brother Shaver because I don't want him to preach for me. You know, he didn't do that. He said, hey, she's gone. What about me? You want it? You really, did you make that? Did you, did you really mean that I called you? Is that how you feel? And then, it's it's just so fantastic down down the line. There's there's so many other additions to that. God is still he's still calling people. You remember remember David? Um, you remember when David was uh, carrying the lunch to his brethren, who down in the valley were all scared of Goliath, and they were around the edge, and and he was in the valley. He said, give me a man to fight. I'll turn him into, you know, he was just bragging. Big old guy, nine foot uh, six, something like that. Reach up and touch the basketball pole. Had a big spear. You know, he's just a big old Philistine. And uh, David came to give his lunch to all his chicken brothers. Chicken sandwiches, I think. was that. <laughs> and uh, he gave uh, cheeses and breads. And they were all going, what are you doing here? Where, where, where'd you leave those sheep in the world? Where, where'd you leave those sheep? You know, they, he, he was the youngest, wasn't he? And he was, he was taking care of sheep for his dad. He just had a small flock. And his dad said, go take these lunches to your brethren. And he went there and he left his sheep with a keeper. And then he went and he talked. And Eliab, I think one of, one of his brothers, what are you doing here? I know your heart. You just want to see the battle. Uh, he, was, he, he was he was just criticizing David. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? He, he kind of made his way up and said, what's going on down here? <laughs> and then he learned the story, I'm paraphrasing, but he learned the story about Goliath. And then he said, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. He went to Saul. And Saul said, what? You're just a little strapping youth. You... He he was a soldier from his youth, and you you think you're gonna you're gonna go down to Goliath? And he said, King, I took care of a bear, and I took care of a lion, and I can take care of this too. You know, he I think David was a teenager at that time. This guy is amazing. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of courage for Jesus? 
What doesn't it just inspire you to say, man, if that little teenager could do that, I can do whatever God wants me to do. And by the way, I will tell you that he uh, he he was a good stone slinger, but I I think he had help. You you can say what you want, but I I think when he finally took that armor and said, I can't with this, I can't I can't do this. He got that armor off and. Um, he went down by the brook and he got some stones, you know, some smooth stones, the Bible says. And um, he put them in his shepherd's bag. And you know why he got more than one? Is because Goliath had some brothers. And he had, he had some uncles and stuff. That guy, he, David was ready to take them all out. And he went down because there was a cause. And that speaks to our heart. God has a cause that's bigger than anything going on in your life right now. There's nothing bigger and better and sweeter than to take what you do and what you can do and all of your talents and put it to work in the cause of Jesus Christ. That's why he gave you all those sets of skills that you have. That's why, that's why he um, only requires just 10% of our income. I've been given to the Lord. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't care what happens. Somebody gives me money, I chop 10% off and I give it to the Lord. I don't, I don't even fight him on, on that. I got no heart in the matter at all. I mean, in fact, I'd rather give him more. And uh, I, there's so much angst and so much um, uh, friction when it comes to money. Just give it to God. Don't worry about it. He's get, he doesn't need it. He just wants to see if you love him enough to do it. But there's more than just money. There's time, treasure, talent. You can give God just, uh, just anything you want to give him. You can give him your life, too. You can give me all of your life. You get. You say, well, I don't really have much to give. Yes, you do. You have your whole life to give to God. And he gave you your life. He can, I came that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. He, he took mine. He took mine. I'm amazed. I'm still amazed. I don't understand it. But I tell you, God still calls people to his service. David, he took that stone, sunk it into the forehead of Goliath, and he became the king. And I, I say that uh, because of the cause and because of David's heart was with God, God, I think, actually made that stone sink into the forehead of the giant. Uh, it was just one shot, one sling. He didn't, he didn't miss three times and say, all right, windage, elevation, <laughs> All right, with a sling, he did. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. Oh, I wish. I hope God shows us that, you know, in heavenly spiritual video quality, HD. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> heaven definition, right? Yeah. But there's no, there's, there was no gospel until Jesus gave us the gospel. The word gospel is not found in the Old Testament. We don't see the word gospel until Jesus uses it in Matthew 24. And, uh, and then in Galatians 1, Paul said, I marvel that you so soon removed from him that, that uh, uh, loved you and, and by the grace of God. He says, and, and that you, you, you've been turned, you've been, uh, you, you've been tricked, you've been bewitched uh, to another gospel. There's only one gospel. Jesus gave us that gospel. That's the cause of Jesus Christ. It's his gospel. There wasn't any gospel in the Old Testament. 
Salvation was available, but there was no gospel. There was no church until Jesus promised to build one. Turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 16. He has called us. I wonder if God's calling you. I wonder if God is just uh, speaking to your heart. And um, sometimes it, it, might, it might take uh, maybe the Lord waking us up in the middle of the night with a tremendous strong thought that you can't get rid of. Maybe God's uh, calling somebody to the mission field. Maybe God's calling somebody to preach. Or maybe God's calling somebody to take something in their life and give it to the Lord and put it to use for the gospel. Uh, but uh, there, there was no gospel until Jesus started uh, teaching his gospel to his, his disciples and his apostles. And then there was no church. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Um, he says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now the rock is not... Uh, the person of, uh, of Peter. Peter's name actually means a stone. Um, Jesus isn't calling Peter the rock that he's building the church on. The Roman Catholics believe that Peter was the founder of the church. It's not true. Jesus is. Jesus founded the church. And Jesus built that church not on Peter, but on the, on the rock of truth that Peter said. He said, Thou art the Son of God. Um, he says in verse 15, And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered in verse 16 and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What did Jesus say then right after that? He said, Je Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So God the Father gave those thoughts to Peter and Peter voiced them and that rock is a thought that rock is a truth and upon this rock what is the rock that we build our church on that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God Amen. that's the rock right there that's the rock you build your marriage on that's the rock you build your friendships on that's the rock you build your business on Jesus Christ the rock of ages he is the foundation that we build everything on. You build your children on that. You build, you do whatever you're doing. We built this church on just one, one wonderful thought that we're not ashamed of Jesus. He's the son of the living God. There is no other salvation outside of Christ. There's no other God but that God of heaven. And there's no other son of God but Jesus Christ. These are so easily understood truths. It's the rock upon which you build everything on. And we've laid the, uh, the, we've, we laid the foundation. Paul laid the foundation. He said, you be careful how you build on that. Uh, and uh, you, we have to be very careful that we don't let some other false uh, gospel creep into our church. And boy, they've tried to do it. Guess what? You know what? We've had to actually chase away uh, this, this group that had this diet that people would go on. And they had uh, a big, huge uh, bank of tapes and, and, and videos. Uh, I, I don't remember. I think it was called the Hallelujah Diet or something. All of a sudden, it creeped into our church, and it was a sin to eat meat and milk and all kinds of things you had to cut out of your diet. But uh, one, one guy got on this tape, and he said, Listen, I used to be a pastor. 
But I found something else that God wants me to do. Instead, he, he put down the gospel of Christ and he went into health food. And now he was going all around the country uh, preaching the hallelujah diet and acting like that was the most important thing in life. Friend, that's not the most important thing in life. The most important thing in life is your relation to Jesus Christ. And I don't care what kind of food you eat, you need Jesus. I don't care what diet you're on, you need Jesus. You go ahead and try them all. If it doesn't kill you, maybe it'll make you stronger. I know one thing. I, I just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep with the one cause that Jesus Christ is the foundation. Listen, I'm not, I'm not against people that try to do good things. Please understand. But you can get off track and you can give your life to a different cause where you're, you're no longer care uh, concerned. Jesus said that you could, you could be choked with the cares of this world. So many things are more important to mankind than Jesus Christ and what he stands for. But there was no gospel before he came. There was no church before Jesus started his. There's a phrase in the Bible about the church in the wilderness. You've, you've heard that. But that was not a New Testament church, and it wasn't founded on Christ Jesus' gospel. So we have, we have the New Testament. We have the New Testament church, and uh, we have a cause now. Uh, Jesus gave his disciples doctrine. He gave them uh, all, all the plan of the future. He gave them the revelation. Jesus Christ gave them how to treat each other in church. And there's a, he said, this church is the house of God. It's the house of prayer. And uh, it, it's my place. I, and Jesus said, I purchased the church with my blood. Uh, of course, that's what the Bible says. He purchased the church with his own blood. Um, so, you know, he purchased our souls, which is, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for the souls of mankind. But the only time you hear Jesus mentioning another purchase uh, subject is he purchased the church. And listen, some people say, well, the most important thing in life is your family. Okay, I'll give you that. Uh, I, I would take care of my family before the church. I understand that. If my wife uh, uh, became ill, I, I would definitely take care of her. But guess what? Uh, there's also an importance of, of the church, too. In fact, uh, let me just put it this way. Uh, let's say your, your family is in town and you're going to have um, maybe, oh, maybe, um, uh, maybe you're going to play Monopoly. I don't think you should be skipping church to play Monopoly. Somebody say amen. amen. I, I, think, I, I think I've absurdly made this comment that there's more important things than playing Monopoly with your family on a church night, on a church morning. Okay? Are you all mad at me? I don't care. Uh, listen, there, you, you've got to realize that there are, there are priorities that we have in Jesus Christ. Listen, my family would not, would not be half of what uh, God, I, I, I just know God blessed my family. It wouldn't be half of what we are. And uh, I know we have room, a lot of room for improvement, but I can only imagine what my family would be like if we would have gotten out of church. Mm -hmm. yes. I don't even know if I didn't have a family. Mm -hmm. It goes like this together. What is a church without families or people? What, what is a church without? What is a family without church? What is a church without families? You see, they go together, don't they? He said, he said uh, by, by this, 
All families of the earth shall be blessed. Remember he said that to um, Abraham, remember? And the reason that is is because uh, Abraham was by faith serving God. And uh, the blessing came to Abraham because Abraham had faith. And so the cause of Christ was there. He took his own son up on the hill and he put his, he put his Lord before his son. And Isaac knew something was really up. He did not realize, but when he got up there and his dad took a knife in his hand, he kind of figured out, uh-oh, I'm toast. This is not going to go well. He's going to kill me. But what happened? God didn't require that of him. And as he took the knife, God said, now I know that you love me. He put God before everybody in his life, didn't he? God was more important than anybody I told my wife when we were when we first were married, I want you to know I love the Lord Jesus Christ and I love you, but I, I do love the Lord more than I love you. She didn't take that wrong. She took it right because she said the same thing. She loved Jesus Christ more than she loved me. And I believe because we both love the Lord, he's given us a, a very close relationship and a very strong marriage. We're not perfect, but he is, and we're pointed in the right direction. The cause of Jesus Christ is more important than anything. It's more important than a career. It's more important than health. There, there was no explanation of the law until Jesus came. They were floundering under the harshness of the law. There was no explanation of grace. They were floundering under, under the, uh, the harshness. There was grace, but they didn't know how to uh, relate to it. God did have grace and he did show grace and there was salvation and David David understood all this but but the but the general population of the Jewish nation didn't understand until Jesus came and showed them that he was the way the truth and the life and that no man could come to the father but by him uh, he showed us that the Lord Jesus Christ showed us that God loves us he's not a he's not a, a dictatorial uh a ruler with a club and just beating everybody uh, if they if they make one small mistake that's not God and you can prove that by the fact that he gave us Jesus Christ his son there's a lot of love but we wouldn't even know any of this had Jesus not uh, come to to propagate his cause there was no true comprehension of the Holy Spirit before Jesus explained it to us in John 14 and 16 we didn't even know about the Holy Spirit. There was no explanation of how the Holy Spirit worked. And yet, when he went into heaven, he said, I'm going to leave you with another comforter. I'm going to help you. You need guidance. You need remembrance. Uh, you, you, you need to be taught. And uh, the Holy Spirit will accomplish all these. He, he'll bring conviction to your heart. But the Holy Spirit is who calls us to the ministry of the Lord Jesus. I'm so glad that one day, I, I was curious about that, and I did ask my pastor. I'm so glad he took time to explain it to me. You know, the apostles spent over three years with the Lord Jesus. Um, I don't know where they went. I know some of them were married. Some of them might not have been. But uh, they, they met with him um, almost on a very daily basis for three years. They, they traveled with him. They, uh, they went on Lake uh, the Gennesaret with him. They, they went through storms together with Jesus. 
And by the time Jesus got done teaching his apostles, uh, these were just fishermen and tax collectors, people just like you and I. Aren't you glad he didn't go to the Pharisees and say, I'd like uh, 12 of you Pharisees, please. No, he said, hey, uh, Bob, Harry, uh, uh, John, uh, Peter, uh, come follow me. Um, John the Baptist, come on. Uh, uh, hey, uh, Judas, I'll take you too. I know about you, but I'll come, come on. With, I know what you're going to do to me. Come on. And uh, he took 12, 12 men and gathered them around and taught them. And they, they were so blessed, they didn't realize until he had left how blessed they were. And all of them gave their lives, with the exception of one or two, uh, to the cause of Christ. You see, his cause, uh, with, with all that he was teaching them, gave them light. He told them how to handle all those Old Testament laws. Boy, can you imagine how those apostles felt when they were lifted out and up and away from all that Old Testament law? You know, they didn't matter what they wore now. Their clothing could be whatever they wanted. They could wear, they could wear leather girdles if they wanted to and, and eat wild honey and locusts if they wanted to. And, uh, you know, John the Baptist was quite a guy. But they were out from under the law and now living under grace. I'm glad for, for Peter and, and, and especially the Apostle Paul. It's amazing what God did. Because he called them to his cause. You know, there's, there's a, a higher calling in, in our lives. How many would agree that the cause of Christ is higher and more important than politics? Yes. Than economic stability? Yes. Than national defense? Yes. Than financial security? Yes. Or health care? It's true. His cause is higher than all of these. And even environmental preservation. How about physical fitness? These, the cause of Jesus Christ out, outshines every other thing in life. The cause of Christ is like the Niagara Falls compared to a dripping faucet. It's, it's amazing. It's like the sun compared to a, a little candle. The cause of Christ is what we give ourselves to. It's greater than anything in this world could possibly draw our attention. We should deliberately and aggressively stay motivated to the cause of Christ because I think America's in trouble. You say another, another pessimistic view? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's pessimistic. I think it's realistic. Yes. Trying to be a realist. Yes. Jesus kept his mission. And he kept his mission at the top of his priority of all of his life. I, always, I do always those things that please the Father. I came here to pay for your sins. I came here to die. I didn't come here to get rich. I didn't come here to be famous. I didn't come here to be... Uh, you know, proconsul or emperor. I didn't come for that. I came for one thing and one thing only. My father sent me here because I offered myself to pay for the, your sins. And, and he came before the foundation of the world. The cause 
was so immense. And he says, now, uh, I'd like you to join in with me on this. I said, well, I'm glad I don't have to die on the cross. I'm glad for that. Are you glad? Amen. I'm glad I don't have to take Jack up on the mountain and offer him or any of my sons. I'm just glad he just wants, he wants you and he wants me. Right now, in this day and age that we're living in America, it's time we all thought about the call of Jesus Christ. His cause is truly our cause. I want to end with just one verse here in Mark chapter 10. Could you turn there with me, please? I, I'm certainly understanding how, how busy we get with life, but sometimes... We just need to rearrange our priorities and rearrange our heart. Uh, I don't care who wins the Super Bowl this year. I don't care who wins the Masters Tournament. I don't care. I don't care. I just don't care. I, I don't care about a lot of different things. I don't care how much money I have this year. I don't care if I'm healthy this year. I could care less. I don't care. You say, well, what if you got cancer? So be it. So be it. I don't care. What, what, if, what if something else happens? I don't care. You say, well, you don't really care then, do you? No, nope, I don't care. Well, what about Jesus? Now, that, that I care about. People, people living for the Lord, I care about that. You um, having a great home life and a great marriage and good relationship with one another, I care about that. Because the, the cause of Jesus Christ is so much higher than anything in the world. Don't mistake this now to think that you, don't, you shouldn't care for your family. Don't think that you shouldn't care about what God calls you to, to do in life. But put Him first. Put Him before all of your cares. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. You can't, you can't make a mistake putting Jesus as your, as your primary cause in life. There's no mistaking that. Let's go to Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30, and we're going to finish with this. It says in verse 29... Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold, now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The Lord knows what he wants you to do. He just wants you to know what he wants you to do. Amen? Amen. I think the first step is, Lord, here I am. You can have me, whatever you want me to do. Let's bow our heads for prayer.